Hey, Sex Like This listeners, it's giveaway time again. We have custom Sex Like This Thumper speakers that are small but powerful just for you. They have a 33-foot wireless range and four hours of playtime, and they're water-resistant. Win yours. Head to sexlikethis.com, click on the giveaway at the top of the page, and answer this week's question. What storybook character is Abby compared to in episode three? Don't forget to follow at Uncomfortableism for show updates on Twitter. Good luck. It's quite early on when I first started having seizures. It was still quite unpredictable and I was having a threesome. And there was a girl and she was going down on me and I started to have a seizure. When I have a seizure, I can't speak or verbally communicate. And she thought it was an orgasm. And she thought she was doing amazingly and so kept going. And like my, the other person who was in the threesome was like trying to be like, dude, stop, stop. But like that's one of those things where now... I would have so much more confidence before sleeping with someone to be like, just so you know, this could happen. Please make sure you check in. So like if I stop making vocal noises, probably a seizure, probably not just you having like mad skills. There are over 7 billion people on the planet. And most of us are looking for love. So if we couple off, you know, unless you've come up with a more interesting arrangement, That means there are theoretically about three and a half billion people in the world that could be the one for you. And counting. So with all of these options, why do we always hear the same love stories? The cookie cutter storybook version of what it's like to fall in love is told over and over again. Well, friends, that stops here. You're listening to Sex Like This, a podcast brought to you by Uncomfortable Revolution about sex and dating with a chronic illness or disability. I'm your host, health journalist, Nicole Edwards. So I have a kind of interesting dating history. It's sort of a tale of two parts. So um, back at university, I was part of a very evangelical, charismatic church that was quite big on purity, which was interesting because before I went to university, I wasn't a Christian and I'd been in relationships and mainly with women and with a few men. And then I went to church and university because I didn't want to deal with coming out. So I did a whole lot of putting myself back in the closet and deciding that I wouldn't have sex again before marriage. So then I got to 20 and started dating a vicar's son. We were both in church leadership. We were both working for the church. We were both looking at being ordained, becoming vicars ourselves. I didn't tell anybody that I dated women, that I was gay. And, like, I I predominantly have always defined as gay and then occasionally have dated men to be like, oh, God, maybe I'm not. Um, and so, yeah, we got engaged when I was 21. We got married when I was 22. And then when I was 24... I reached the point of just being like, I can't actually do this anymore. Like, he was, he was lovely and there was nothing wrong in our marriage apart from the fact that I'm really gay <laughs> and not very Christian. After a few years, Emily decided to get her really gay, not really Christian self out of her marriage to a vicar's son. She left the church, she left her marriage, she left town, she moved to London. And then Emily entered into the queer, kink, and polyamorous 
scene in London, uh, which couldn't really be much further from being a married vicar's daughter-in-law. Emily had just turned 25, and she was ready to live it up in a big way in London. She goes to raves, she starts powerlifting, and she gets into the best shape of her life. And she feels free enough to date whoever she wants. Most of the time, it's women. For a while, it was a triad with a few gender identities thrown in there. The point is, she's letting herself live free in the big city, and she's loving it. And then she meets a guy. We kissed on our first date, and completely without thinking, it was totally subconscious, like, one of my feet just popped up at the back, like, kicked up, because I was so swept away by the romance of this situation. And we decided to be monogamous. We dated for about eight months, and we were talking about getting married and building a future together, and um, then I got really sick last year. I was taking the bus home, and I started to feel the left side of my face drooping. So I took a photo and sent it to um, my two best friends and my boyfriend at the time, and I was like, guys, does my face look weird to you? The answer was yes. So Emily makes up her mind to get off the bus, And when she does, it's really hard for her to walk. Her left side is not cooperating. It's numb and it feels weak. So Emily's friend rushes to meet her. And the next thing she knows, Emily's being rushed to hospital in the back of an ambulance. Um, They rushed me in and rushed me down for a CAT scan um, because they they assumed it was probably a stroke. And I was eventually admitted for three weeks. I stayed in hospital, had loads of tests done. They were trying to work out what it was. My boyfriend came to visit me twice during that time, um, even though he was in the city. And on the day I was discharged, he was supposed to come visit, didn't come visit. Two weeks later, we finally spent some time together and we went to an art exhibition, um, which I really struggled to make it round. I wasn't using a wheelchair at that point. And to be honest, I probably should have, but I was too proud. Um, and he started to get uncomfortable about how hard it was for him to have to deal with my situation. And then later that day, he broke up with me because I was too disabled for him. This was obviously a big turning point in Emily's life. To go from a sexually liberated social butterfly to being dumped for circumstances she really couldn't control, while at the same time trying to wrap her mind around the fact that her body was not in the powerlifting, fighting shape it once was, that's a lot to deal with at once. Then she got definitive news about what was going on with her body. There's functional neurological disorder, which is actually one of the most common uh, neurological disorders that there is, but also one of the most under-researched. For me, that impacts me like a cross between MS and epilepsy. So um, seizures, weakness, tremors, spasms and fatigue. And that's caused by the software of my brain, not the hardware. So whereas MS and epilepsy are caused by the hardware of the brain going wrong, um, FND is caused by the software of the brain sending signals through the nervous system in a jumbled up way. So there's FND, which has been in flare recently. Then I have hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos, which is a genetic connective tissue disorder. So caused by my body making too much collagen. And for me, that mainly manifests as a lot of pain. Uh, subluxes, which are like uh, a small dislocation, so where your, your joints will come a little bit out of place. Uh, that's normally in my wrists, my shoulders, my collarbones, my ankles, 
hips um, and I bruise super easily as well so that's a, a big one with that and it sort of affects my digestive system and oh, there's all sorts then I have POTS which is postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome which is a heart condition that means my body struggles to regulate how it pumps the, the blood around um, so I'll quite often have a really elevated heart rate um, and that can make me again really fatigued but it can also make me really dizzy um, and I can faint and that can also trigger seizures so I have two seizure causes and um, I have Asperger's syndrome which I hardly ever think about because it's just such an integral part of me um, and it's also my job is also in autism so I don't think about it loads um, the main thing that, that impacts is sort of my social energy can get drained quite easily because it doesn't necessarily come as naturally to me as it appears which is really frustrating because I'm also an extrovert um, and then I'm in the midst of being assessed for ADHD which is almost definitely going to come through and I also have cyclothymia which is like a really mild form of bipolar disorder so um, can make me anxious and quite low or I can have times where I'm quite creative and motivated and, and happy but another big change was Emily's new need to use a wheelchair most of the time and when that started to fatigue her too much she switched to a power chair so she could save some energy when she was going about her day-to-day -day routine for the past four months, because of a bad flare-up, she's been spending a lot more time in the house than usual. The way Emily used to socialize is still very possible, but she's getting used to some of the ways that it is going to have to change. Dating and intimacy included. The subluxes um, and the dislocations have definitely changed that connection to physical intimacy, and and it does have an impact on how and when and in what positions you can be physically intimate even something really simple like curling up on the sofa um or sharing a bed with someone and so at the moment i sleep alone but most mornings i wake up and my shoulders out of joint um or i'll lay on the sofa and my hip will come out of joint and thinking about it in sex terms like Oral sex is a really classic one that requires a lot of jaw stamina. Like, it doesn't matter what genitalia you're dealing with, you've got to have jaw stamina. My jaw dislocates really easily. Um, my wrist comes out of socket really easily, and I'm in a lot of pain. So, like, that sort of manual stimulation then gets impacted by that. Even, like, certain positions can mean my neck pops out of joint. Um, and so I've been thinking about this a lot. At the moment, obviously super single there is literally no one to, to even consider having this conversation with but I think there is so much potential for still having loads of fun if you're with somebody who is willing to adapt their idea of what sex and sexual activity looks like and moving away from goal-oriented sex where the idea is that two people are going towards a final goal and the ideal is that they both get there at the same time or like really close together towards something that's much more exploratory and much more focused on a joint experience of intimacy than necessarily this like ladder escalator of what 
pleasure and physical intimacy looks like. And so I think something for me that when I do start being sexually active again, which I really hope isn't too far away, like loving the single life, but also would really like to have sex soon. That'd be great. Um, is that ability to speak up um, and to say, this isn't working for me, which I think is something that a lot of people, disabled or not disabled, can really relate to. It's that confidence during sex to ask for what we need um, and what we want and what feels good instead of getting really caught up in needing to be the ideal sexual partner who doesn't have any like weird needs um so yeah i'm thinking a lot about actually just having better communication in sex um thinking about all the crap sex i've had in my life and how all of it was always down to communication so this sort of like hopefully is going to spur me on to just having better sex in general because i'm going to have to communicate more hopefully eventually there will be an amazing woman because I'm finally not giving in to compulsory heterosexuality. I know that I'm gay and you know what? I'm gay and disabled and like, sure, that means that maybe I could view it as having the odds stacked against me of ever finding someone who would want to be in a relationship with me. But I know that there's so many other gay, disabled women out there in incredibly loving relationships. So there's literally no reason why I can't be as well. Before we go, I want to tell you about Pandia Health. With Pandia Health, you'll never run out of birth control again because you can skip the trip to the pharmacy each month. They deliver. Whether you're on the pill, the patch, or the ring, Pandia Health has an option for you. And as a little added bonus, Pandia Health is the only women-founded and women-led reproductive health company specializing in birth control delivery. Enter code UREVOLUTION for $5 off your next order. That's the letter U, REVOLUTION, for $5 off. Sex Like This is an Uncomfortable Revolution podcast hosted and produced by me, Nicole Edwards. Please get in touch if you want to share your story. You can email podcast at urevolution.com or head over to our website, sexlikethis.com, for more amazing stories about dating and sex with a chronic illness or disability.